Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast presented by Dr. Jody Jones DDS. We are part of the 440 Sports Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Our guest today is our basketball writer, Sam Phelan. So let's get right into our conversation today with Sam. Sam Phelan's our guest today. He is our basketball writer at VandySports.com. Sam, thanks for joining us. Chris, thanks for having me back. Appreciate it. All right. Since we last spoke, Vanderbilt looked horrible in a second-half collapse against South Carolina. Looked better in a win over Georgia on Saturday. That one, I think the final margin was seven or eight. Uh, it was not that close most of the second half. But anyway, um, you know, not two of the better teams in the league that the Commodores played. I guess the takeaway was Vanderbilt got Rodney Chapman back between the first and the second and, and looked a lot better against Georgia. Now, some of that's Georgia's defense. Uh, Georgia's one of the worst defensive teams in the Power Five in some years. But give credit where it's due. Chapman stepped in. That made Pippen better, which we have talked about many times this year. And, and here the Commodores are with three wins. Yeah, I, I think uh, it was nice to see Rodney back on the floor um, for no other reason than just kind of being tired about talking about when he was coming back. Um, when he first went down and it was said that it was a pretty serious hamstring injury. I think I, I'm, I feared a lot worse than coming back before the start of February. So it was nice to see him back on the floor and not just back on the floor, but also, as you said, Chris, playing probably his best game of the year, putting in a lot of minutes and good quality minutes as well. Yeah, I was also afraid that if Chapman came back this soon, it might be too soon. Uh, he might re-aggravate it. Uh, fortunately, you, you would hope that time has passed now. He talked about the knee being better, I guess his mobility being better because of that. So what you hope that you have going forward is a healthy Rodney Chapman. And, and frankly, it sounded like even when he played against Arkansas in that win, uh, maybe he wasn't quite 100% because of the knee. Maybe I'm reading too much into that, but that was a thought I had at least. Yeah, and I, I think – it was evident in the first game against South Carolina that Vanderbilt lost that Rodney was not himself. That was on display in the box score, and clearly with him going down and missing time immediately after, there was something going on there. Um, and you think that if you have Rodney at 100%, you probably win that game. So um, the hope is that he's 100%. He might even be a better player uh, and more impactful player than we saw last uh, in this last game against Georgia and in the previous games that he played um, because we know what he can do for the team. We've talked about it over and over again. But yeah, as long as he feels good, that that's a positive takeaway for sure. Yeah, and one thing it helped, and again, Georgia's an awful defensive team and Vanderbilt got a, a lot of open looks, uh, more than it should have had probably. But you look around the box score, Jordan Wright gets 15, Miles Studi gets 11, Chapman even gets a dozen. It helps not only Pippen, but it's good to see if you're Vanderbilt, more guys getting involved in the scoring. 
Uh, you know, I, I just think for a team that that is not going to be as talented as most of the ones it's going to face from here on out, that to me was a little bit of a blueprint of how you win games. And it's nice to see. Uh, I'll add on top of that, Chris. Nice to see nine assists for Pippen as well. Yeah, you know, we've, yeah. We've, we've mentioned how his distrib- distributing numbers and his passing numbers have kind of been down, and he's been higher in turnovers. It, it was just, it, it's nice to see a game that he feels a little bit more comfortable and confident. He moves the ball well, and really everybody shot the ball well. Basically, everybody was over 50% with a few guys uh, just below, but they shot over 50% as a team. They shot over 50% from three, um, and, and that that is really encouraging. You know, again, like you said, Georgia, not a good defensive team, and they were supposed to win that game. But I, I, it's the things like Scotty being a little bit more comfortable moving the ball and more guys getting involved that you can't feel good about despite the circumstances of the win. Let's go ahead and jump into the mailbag if you're cool with that because there's a ton of questions there. Yeah, let's get right into it. All right, our mailbag presented by Sutherland and Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in an accident, call Taylor or Russell at 615-846-6200. See what your rights are and if they can help. JDICAV, this is the first of about five questions from him. All right, you'll never anticipate this one. When might Liam Robbins return? Um, honestly, I think we should be looking potentially by the end of this week. Um, I, wow. Liam has been, I, I really do think so, Chris, the, the timeline has always been early February. And I, I think that there is an idea that they might wait, um, until a few games into February to really get him going. I, I originally had said the home game against LSU potentially, but I, I think you know, depending on how Liam's feeling, there's a sense of urgency within the building right now, especially after that South Carolina loss. Stack was really hopeful that they could have gotten back to 500 in the SEC with wins over South Carolina and Georgia. And they'd be sitting pretty right now with the ability to get Liam back soon. But I think there's a little bit of a sense of urgency. Obviously, you want him to come back healthy, but the sooner you can get him back into the fold, the more you feel like you might be able to contend in some of these games. You know, you said on the last podcast, they're probably not going to beat Kentucky if it's Chapman and Robbins or you and I playing, I think was your quote. But if Liam's in the fold for the LSU game at home, all of a sudden you're not going to be favored, but you might have a fighting chance. And with where they're sitting in the standings right now, just the reality of the situation is they're going to have to start stealing some games from teams they probably aren't supposed to beat. Um, so I would say maybe this weekend, but uh, I'd for sure like to see him back within the next week. Yeah, unfortunately, the time to catch LSU is about a week ago because LSU had Darius Days out with an ankle issue. He came back. Xavier Pinson was out about three weeks with, I think it was an ankle issue. He's back now. Didn't play a ton, but... You know, it's. I guess it's a case of just when they're getting healthy. So is so is LSU, and and I don't think they're going to beat Kentucky uh, with two Liam Robbins. So you might as well sit them out of that one. If if you get them back against LSU, depending on how close to hundred percent he is, I, I think they can make it interesting. But that's a lot of projecting there because we just don't know. 
No, yeah, I mean it, that's that's the danger of this situation. Like I said, and I'm I think a lot of people expected Rodney to come back as a as a fraction of himself, kind of just like not all the way put together, like you said. But you know, he impressed. But you really don't know where Liam's at because we haven't seen Liam all season. You don't know if like he's going to be anywhere close to the same guy he was at Minnesota. Um, but, but if there is a, if there is a time when they could use him, I do think it is, you know, coming up right after this Kentucky game, when they have a few really important games that aren't necessarily impossible for them to win. The next question is what are Stackhouse's expectations for the rest of the season? What do you think his expectations should be? I think Stack is still expecting to get better. Um, and and that a lot of that comes in the return of these guys. But I think his feeling has just been that they have not had the team that he envisioned having at the, at the beginning of the year together all season. Um, so I, I know he's been disappointed with some of the, the lack of poise shown in, in the second half of the South Carolina game and some of the lazy habits that they've kind of displayed. But um, – yeah, I think for Stack right now, it's all about growth. It's all about getting better. Um, you know, he doesn't see this as a his job right now is on the line based on whether or not they make the tournament this season. It's more about the long term uh, of the program and making sure that he's building a winner here and, and making progress along the way. So as far as what his expectations should be, you know, I, I think that's all you can really ask of him right now. You know, I don't, I don't think Stack's expectations should be to, to be in the bottom of the SEC, but I also think it, it's a little irrational if he thinks they're still going to make the NCAA tournament. You know, it's, it's got to be that one game at a time, trying to get better approach. And, you know, if you can steal a few games and you find yourself in the hunt late, then you deal with that when you get there. But for now, you just have to worry about trying to execute and play good basketball. Yeah, to me, it's, I guess it's positioning yourself for the SEC tournament, although I'm, I'm looking through the bracket and trying to figure out where you want to be. I'll tell you where you don't want to be. Uh, you don't want to be playing Auburn or Kentucky which are maybe yeah. the number one and number two teams in the country. Uh, the 8-9 winner gets a bye, but it also gets uh, gets the number one seed right away. Um, I, I don't think that's going to happen. Vanderbilt's not going to win enough games, I don't think, to get an 8 or a 9. Um, so then you're looking at 10-7. That gets you, again, that winner gets you number two. I don't know, maybe, maybe you, maybe you want to get, although you have to win five games to do it, Maybe you want one of those. Uh, maybe maybe what you want is eleven, because uh, then you probably get Georgia again, and then and then you're facing six in there, which is probably going to be Tennessee, Alabama, LSU, somewhere in there. Maybe A and M, depending on how many games they win. They win. So I don't know. I, I thought I had an answer as I started looking at the bracket. Um, I'm a little confused about what seed they want to be. Um, you know, I, I guess getting the buy is nice, but um, boy, you you. You really don't want to be facing one of those two teams right away because there may be the best two teams in the country. Yeah, and and some of that actually might might change down the stretch, though, Chris. It's important to remember seeding and stuff that super volatile, especially because it's based on conference rank. So, I mean, a team like Arkansas is only a game back from a team like Kentucky at the moment. So that could always change, but. Um, I I think the goal right now, and I, I don't know if you think this would be 
you know, maybe a little bit too optimistic, but I think if you're Stackhouse, if you're a player on Vanderbilt, your goal right now needs to be to try and get back to 500 in the SEC. We went over on our last podcast all the games and what we thought they might have to do, and there are still some winnable games on the schedule, but the South Carolina loss, the reason I think it was so devastating is it really was one of those games that you almost had to have if you wanted a fighting chance at that, but I think it's one game at a time trying to crawl your way back up to 500. And then you kind of look maybe around the last few weeks of February and you see where you're at in the SEC. Yeah. When they lost both those South Carolina games, 500 was out the window. Um, here's where you have to get it now. You're sitting at three wins. You have to get Ole Miss, but that's on the road. Um, Florida here, again, that's, that's a whole other, although they got Florida once without Castleton, by the time they get Florida again, that's March 1st, he'll probably be back. Gators hadn't great on the road, uh, but with him back, they'll be better. I say Ole Miss is one, is one of your better shots, but again, that's, that's on the road. Um, A&M here, one of your better shots. I think A&M's a more talented team than they are. Uh, but they've been reeling, not not reeling, but hadn't played as well lately, hadn't gotten a lot of wins at least, I guess is a good way to say it. We'll see where they are at that point. Mississippi State here would be a chance at one because they're not very good on the road. Unfortunately for Vanderbilt, that's in Starkville. Um, you know, some people think Tennessee and Knoxville, but I don't think Tennessee's lost at home this year. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at this, and the only one – the one that you feel best about is Missouri coming up next week, but Missouri's played a lot better lately. I mean, there's, there's nothing on here that's easy from here on out. I guess Missouri would be their best shot at a win, followed by AM at home, followed by Ole Miss on the road. But it, it's hard to see them getting, uh, getting more than three, if three. This season of the Vandy Sports Podcast is made possible by my friend Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. When it comes to general or cosmetic dentistry services, Jody is the best in Nashville. And just check out his client list. It testifies to that. He sees movie stars, music stars, athletes, coaches, you name it. Jody is the dentist of choice for stars in Nashville. But he sees regular folks like you and I as well. And what people like about the experience is the ambiance. Someone described it to me as a tooth spa. I went in and looked at it myself. That's exactly what it is. It is a relaxing, friendly environment. So whether your dental needs are general or cosmetic, go see Jody. Call him at 615-270-2322. His office is located at 55 Music Square East, not far from downtown Nashville, not far from the Vanderbilt campus. Jody is a former Vanderbilt football player, a huge booster of Commodore Athletics. His support as the title sponsor for Season 7 is the reason we are able to do this podcast. Go see Dr. Jody Jones today. Thank him for his support of the Vandy Sports Podcast and tell him you heard about it here. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I have to agree with you. Like, the, it's it's going to be an uphill battle, and and that's where I think a lot of the frustration from myself and from a lot of fans came with the with the South Carolina stuff. It, it's just those are two wins, two games now that that really felt like you should have won and could have won. 
that would have put you in a good spot at five and three, where you have an opportunity to take care of business and, and have a really strong year for yourself in the SEC. But at this point, nothing really feels given, not even that uh, Missouri game, like you said. I mean, they might have some trouble with a guy like Kobe Brown, who is a good scorer with good size yeah. that Vanderbilt has proven to struggle with with size and those big those big men that that are ball dominant so far. So Kobe Brown might give them fits. Like I expect Shibway to have a another twenty five point night um if Robbins isn't back on Wednesday. So like it, it could get ugly down the stretch. Um and so I going back to the initial question just in terms of what Stackhouse's expe- expectations are or what they should be they're really you can't ask for much more in terms of his expectations than to just uh j- just kind of take it one game at a time you don't want to get ahead of yourself at all um and take care of the ones that you feel confident about and see where you're at at the end of the year yeah i think bottom line is they have to get missouri and and maybe try to sneak one at tennessee or lsu here both those are going to be really really uphill climbs to get there um yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know what else you can say at this point. It, it's just like you, again, some of the opportunities they had are behind them. Would have helped to had Chapman and Robbins. They didn't, but but here they are. Um, next one is Vanderbilt has suffered some ugly losses the last few weeks. Have you noticed any changes in the players' attitudes? Uh, I mean, yeah, I actually do think for the first time we saw a lot of. I mean, and and the the Georgia win helped. Uh, That one felt good for a lot of them. But I think for the first time after the South Carolina loss, there was a a pretty wide sense of just defeat. Um, You know, they they had played that that Tennessee game, and I think they felt pretty good about how they played despite coming up a little short. And then the Florida game was ugly, but, you know, you can kind of put that one aside being on the road and stuff. The South, the South Carolina game is another game that you should have won. You had in your grasp. And, I mean, even Stackhouse was just growing so frustrated after the game. Like, we were asking him in the, in the press conference how his thoughts. And he's like, we played 30 minutes of good basketball. We had the entire first half. I thought we had him. We came out in the second half, and I thought we had him. And then the wheels just fell off. And I think a lot of people are just starting to, to get get to the point of, what else can we do sometimes? And they, a, a big helpless feeling for Pippen. Um, I think Rodney's return really helped him get confidence back. As you mentioned, Chris, uh, being able to be off ball a little bit more and have another vet with with just some good poise and, and a guy he can rely on helps Scotty a lot. But I think there is a big sense of defeat, and it's really tough to rally and go on a win streak and win games in the SEC if you're not fully able to buy in and believe in your team. Okay, next one. Scotty Pippen Jr. will be gone after the season. Who do you think will lead this team going forward? And I think there's a presumption in the question. I, I don't know for certain that Scotty will be gone. I don't know one way or the other. I thought if he was going to leave, it would have been last year. Now, it, it makes sense for a lot of reasons for him to move on potentially. Uh, we could do a whole podcast about that, but we won't. But um, in, unless you know something that I don't know, I don't think anything's been decided there. But let's just presume that the question, uh, that's the correct take. Who's who's the leader going into next year? I mean, to me, he may not be on the roster yet. Probably is not. Other than maybe yeah. Jordan Wright. 
Well, yeah, I mean, that's what I, I agree with you 100%. One, I don't know if it's a foregone conclusion that Scotty will be gone, especially with some of the concerns around his play at times this year. You know, that's not uh, not doing the best uh, kind of selling job for his NBA uh, prospects. But in terms of the leader, I think if you're looking at a clubhouse leader, you automatically go to Jordan Wright just because he will have been uh, like, the tenured member, the longest tenured member of the team and the veteran leader in that locker room. But in terms of an on-court leader or or somebody who, like we said last week, could be the leading scorer, um, I'm not sure that's on the roster right now. There aren't too many dynamic scorers that I could see really taking that Pippen sort of scoring role on this team. But, uh, I mean, we know the transfer portal, and and I think if Scotty was gone and you – Stack liked a few of the pieces that he had. He could always outsource to the portal and try and find a a few good scores that way to kind of lead the offense on the floor. Well, and one other thing, I don't think the perception right now is that Scotty's an NBA player. I think the perception is he's a G League guy. The thing that he does best is draw fouls, but the concern is he may not be quick enough and you know, sometimes drawing a foul is being a half step late. When you're playing guys that are bigger, stronger, faster, quicker, the fear that I have heard is that advantage gets negated for him against those type of athletes. So I think to me, I don't think you lose Scotty. In fact, Scotty had a better year last year than he did this year. So I think if, if presumably he came back because he didn't think he was going to get drafted is what I would think. And so if you didn't lose him to the draft last year, unless this class is a lot weaker and I haven't, to be honest, and maybe you have gone ahead first into comparing draft pools from last year to this year. I, I don't think that Scotty has helped himself with his NBA stock at all that, that I can see. Well, yeah. And I think the other thing too, Chris, I think there's also an assumption that I, I've just kind of been hearing a lot of is that this idea of Scotty potentially going somewhere else, to an NCAA tournament contender for next season, which in a basketball sense makes sense. But I I think you also have to put a little stock into the fact that, you know, he's going to be a senior next year at Vanderbilt and and finishing his education at Vanderbilt uh, might mean something to him and gives him reason to stay there versus jumping ship now um, and hopping to a different university. So I do think he's been there. He's grown a loyalty to stack. He, he really loves the university and, so I don't think I think if he's not going to the NBA, I could definitely see him coming back, and I think that's a realistic expectation. Yeah, I did think about that too. Uh, and the minute you started answering the question, it's like, yeah, there is that. Um, you know, I guess if you're Scotty, it depends on where you are and your your course load, that kind of thing. I mean, the thing is, he could he could also transfer somewhere else and. Uh, newsflash, his family's got a little money. He could he could also come back and finish his degree yeah, on his dime be, later. So I don't I don't know where that I'm factors sure in or right. doesn't, but yeah. So yeah, I'm sure he he'll be all right in terms of the uh, ability to come back to school if all else fails. JDICAV, do you have any sense for who's likely to enter the transfer portal after the season ends? Is your view dependent on the team's ultimate win loss record? Can you uh, uh, can you say that one more time? Uh, one of our opinion on who enters the transfer portal. I'll tell you this: um, I've not heard any names that that's not been true some years in the past. 
Um, you know, I, I thought they might lose Saban Lee a couple years ago, and and they did to the draft. Um, the Dassault thing, you know, I thought he might leave a couple years ago. I didn't hear much about it last year, and then he went to the portal. You know, some of the guys they've lost in the path, in in the excuse me, in in the past under Stackhouse were predictable. They were questionable fits coming in. It didn't work out. Um, I'm I'm not hearing a lot of buzz around guys leaving, but I also don't know how many guys could get better opportunities than Vanderbilt. I mean, I, I think to me, Pippen's the one. Other than that, I don't know how many of these guys go to another Power Five school and and see an uptick in playing time. Um, I, I just don't see it with his roster. Now, the guy that tried it last year was Dylan DeSue. He's playing a lot less at Texas for a much better roster. He's been hurt, too. But I, I don't see a lot of guys um, in terms of hitting the portal. Now, Vanderbilt may make a decision there on some of these guys and just decide they can't play. But but I don't see a lot of guys on this team that are really going to hit the portal and then, you know, half the Big 12 comes calling when, when they hit it. I just don't see it as being this kind of roster. Yeah, and to go a little further to, to answer that back part of the question, I don't think anybody on this roster would be making a decision to transfer because of win-loss record. I think you'll find in college basketball that matters a lot less than you probably think. And a lot of these guys are going to make decisions based on fit, like you said, Chris, an opportunity. Um, and, you know, if Vanderbilt's the, the best opportunity for playing time, that's where they're going to be. Um, the one guy that comes to mind when you ask the question, and this is purely spec- speculation with no no inside information or info whatsoever, but I could potentially see a guy like maybe Gabe Dorsey heading for the door just if he thinks Pippen's coming back and DeZoni is going to take a step forward. And with the new uh, freshman class coming in, you know, that starts to get a little hairy in terms of opportunity and minutes there. Uh, so that's a that's the type of guy I think I would be looking at. But you, I agree with you. Nobody really jumps out as being a, a surefire candidate to look elsewhere. Yeah, Dorsey hasn't played the last two games. Before that, he was five minutes and four minutes in the previous two games. Season high of 12. I mean, I think Gabe Dorsey had an opportunity to earn minutes on this roster for sure, and it's not happened so far. Yeah, I, for sure. He, I mean, Stack had the, gave everybody in the backcourt opportunities, but I mean, just looking at, you know, he was a, a four-star coming out of high school um, on a lot of on a lot of recruiting sites and pretty highly thought of. So you would think that he'd have another opportunity somewhere else if he wanted it. I mean, again, no inside information. I don't know if that's something he's considering or, or even wants, but uh, that would be a name to watch. Willie 210 says after the UK game, we'll be at the halfway point in the season and will likely be three and six in SEC play. How would you reset the team's goals for the second half? I think we kind of, touched on that earlier to me it's about earning tournament seating but uh what do you say yeah no i mean i think we touched on it earlier it like i think what i'm going to be really looking forward to down the stretch is to see is those last four or five games like i said you know like it's going to determine their tournament seating pretty heavily it's going to have a big implication on their final sec record um, and all five of them are pretty winnable games in their own 
in their own different ways. You'd like to think Liam will be back. So they're kind of going through a little bit of a gauntlet right now. But So one game at a time until you get to that last stretch. But I just like to see them finish strong and, and not quit on their season. You know, you want to have people show a little bit of heart, a little bit of intensity down the stretch, despite uh, some games not going their way. All right, you're going to love this one. Top shelf VU. Sam, do you have any fear that saying that the coach of the team you broadcast for gets outcoached? I don't picture Stackhouse as someone who would take public criticism lightly. Um, do I have any fear? Not really. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm always going to going to be a a call it as I see it kind of guy. I feel like uh Stack and I have had a a pretty good dialogue every time I've interviewed him and stuff, but you know, Three and five in conference and two losses to South Carolina is not good enough. And and I think, you know, being afraid to being afraid to answer that bell and, and kind of call it call it like you like it is, um, you know, that's not a mentality that, that you bring to winning programs. So, um, yeah, I, I'm never going to be afraid to to tell Stack or anybody else or write about it or, or talk about it on a podcast if I don't feel like. Uh, it's meeting the standard of what Vanderbilt University needs to do to win basketball games going forward. Um, I, and I, I've been, I feel like I've been pretty fair with Stack too. You know, I, I don't think this is all on him by any means. His roster has not been as competitive as, as some of the other SEC schools. But as you pointed out, Chris, that's also, you know, he's the guy that makes the roster. So um, I get, yeah. Do I have any fear? No. Uh, I, I think I, It'll be just fine as it is, um, and I, I'm pretty confident in my relationship with him so far. All right, let me ask you a couple follow-up questions. Uh, how much do you get paid by Vanderbilt University? Uh, Zero dollars. That was, Yes. Uh, that uh, the, the correct answer. <laughs> <laughs> that, would, that would be the correct answer for me, too. Um, question number two, um, Jerry makes somewhere over $3 million a year, maybe three and a half. Don't know what that exact number is. Is that is that more or less than we're paying you? That is substantially more. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you want to, if you want to renegotiate, Chris, I'm all, I'm open to that. But. Hey, look, if we could renegotiate something close to that, this would be a, a much different conversation. In fact, I probably wouldn't be doing this podcast today. But yeah. look, here's here's the thing. And I know how some team sites are run. I get that. That's not what we do at this site. And I always say this, if you don't like the narrative, then change it. Um, I've gotten, trust me, I've gotten plenty of pushback from Vanderbilt on things I've written or said. And, um, you know, if I ever feel like I've been unfair or learned something else, I'll, I'll retract something every now and then, although uh, there hadn't been a lot of occasions to do that, but if any, but these guys get paid, you know, from from the athletic director down to the coaches. These guys get paid a whole lot more than we do. A whole lot more than we do. Um, and, and as writers and broadcasters, criticism comes with our territory. Um, and, and that's just part of it. I, I don't understand sometimes how some people who get paid so much money are so thin-skinned. Uh, it, it's crazy. I mean, that, to, that that's part of the territory, and that should be a built-in expert. Um, expectation. Yeah, and, and Chris, I want to I want to further say for myself too. Like I am fully and you know listeners and readers and everybody who's on the site and engaging with with the uh, Vandy Sports community here, you're going to get to know this about me. I'm a hundred percent willing to walk back 
anything that I say, uh, like you said, it once it's kind of proven to, to not be the case. And if, if Vanderbilt comes out and, you know, upsets Kentucky and Lexington and Stack has a really well coached game and, you know, you're seeing these positive strides, you know, I'll happily own, uh, that, that, uh, bad take there. But, um, uh, yeah, I just don't believe in being afraid to say it like I feel. And I know a lot of people were a little upset about, you know, kind of the woes, the world, uh, nature of of the article that came out after South Carolina but that's that's the vibe that I'm getting around the program that's the vibe that I'm getting from fans that's the vibe that the players have kind of been putting off you know no no players spoke to the media after South Carolina that was one of the first times all season that that's happened um and I, I don't think it's unfair to to address what's happened and what's happening with the program in that same light um and if that changes so will that same tone and so will the energy. Uh, but uh, I think it's appropriate to match it to what I'm observing. Well, I feel like Vanderbilt sort of tells on itself a lot of times for how low its expectations are. Um, you know, Because if I'm coaching a team or I'm running an athletic department and we're just getting our butts kicked day in, day out for, for years on end, I'm pissed off, and I'm going, how are we going to win games? They spend an inordinate amount of time combing the internet, combing podcasts, combing message boards, and just kind of looking to to, to strike back at critics. And that, that's not how you win, man. You, you should want people who hold you, hold you accountable. I, I think, to me, it's an insult if we do this podcast, and it's just year after year of, oh, well, gosh, they sure are trying hard, and boy, that was a tough one, and, you know, one day they'll catch. that. To me, that's insulting. That that suggests that we don't think you're capable of any more. If, if I'm Vanderbilt, and this is not how they think. They think entirely the opposite. But to me, I'm, I'm worried if there aren't people out there to criticize because that means we don't think you're capable of more than you're showing us. And Vanderbilt's a, a university with tons of resources – they should hire good coaches. They should get great players. They should be able to recruit. They should draw fans. They're doing none of those things for the most part right now. You can say they've they've recruited better, uh, and, and maybe they have. Time will tell. I, I think they have. But th- that's where, to me, the university and its programs just, just keep suggesting to me that the bar of expectations isn't very high. And, and to me, that's really sad. Yeah. I mean, Chris, you, you said everything I wanted to say. I mean, Vanderbilt is a incredible university. It's It's got elite education. It's in a beautiful city of Nashville that has everything any college kid would want to do. You know, like you said, they have resources to pay coaches and good facilities. And I mean, Memorial's one of the best college basketball buildings like in the country that there is and and that goes for all the Vanderbilt facilities and the standard should be the excellence that the university exudes in every other aspect of what they do And, and you should go into every basketball season and expect at the minimum an NCAA tournament team you should go into every college football season and expect you know at least competitive SEC play You don't have to be the Duke. You don't have to be the Alabama. Those are few and far between, and those are the blue bloods for a reason. But when your university does everything so well and is an attractive destination by all means, 
you just can't have the loser's mentality of being of being rattled by everything someone says and every time something gets gets bad and and i think being able to get fired up get angry and be disappointed in in the performance that they put forth shows that you have faith and pride in the program itself and believe that they can and should be better than what we're seeing yeah, I, I have some specific stories on, on how much they get rattled by criticism that I'll I'll keep to myself for now. They're they're pretty alarming. Um here's the thing that concerns me, Sam, and, and like you're you're way too young to have seen this, but our message board, so much of it is composed of people in their fifties, sixties, seventies, even eighties. And they've all seen better things and, and the bar of expectations for Vanderbilt basketball is 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 in a completely different stratosphere than where it is now. Um, and I know it's not Carolina or Kansas, but it's been a point of pride for the school and its fans and its alums for a long time to the point where the bar is on the floor. And again, I, I think that's that's a shame. It's, it, it's, it's sad to watch, frankly. Um, my concern for them is b- before long, those people aren't going to be around anymore. Uh, b- because they're they're dead or too old or whatever, and nobody's going to remember what it used to look like in in you know fill in the blank x amount of years from now. I don't I don't know if they can get it back to anything approaching what it's been between now and then. But I'm just alarmed. I, I look at the the age of people in the stands. I get a feel for how old the people on my board are. They they are in danger of seeing that fan base trickle. It, about as close to nothing as you can get for an SEC school. Yeah, I mean, they, I, I mean, yeah, you're saying it perfect, Chris. They're they're in need of a of a savior in a lot of ways. They need a they need a facelift to the program and the and the branding of of Vanderbilt athletics as a whole, B- the baseball program, and I believe is like a completely separate entity from all that. And Tim, oh, Moore, it, it is, it Moore, is like. <laughs> They are as cool as cool guests, and and they have, you know, they they've dominated for as long as the, as, you know, I mean, I can't even remember, but uh, yeah, the the rest of the rest of the university needs needs someone and something to come along that that can really bring back that fun memorial magic that that you tell me about, and I'm sure a lot of fans because you do have to reach that next generation. And uh, 20 years from now, you want to still be able to talk about Memorial Magic and you want to be able to to have, uh, you know, famous games and seasons and players of the past that you can hold close to your heart. And I agree with you that that's slowly fading for them. And um, I think it starts at the top. And until it, it changes from the very top, you might not see a lot of change internally. All right, Sam, uh, been a good one today. We'll do another one next week. Any closing thoughts as we end the show today? Uh, man, I, I don't know if I have any. Uh, just same thing I said, one game at a time. Uh, we'll, talk, uh, we'll talk later, and I'll do my 3-2-1 breakdown later this week and see where we're at after a few tough games coming up. And your Twitter account before we end. That's going to be uh, Sam underscore Phelan. My last name is P-H-A-L-E-N. I'm tweeting out all my articles. I'm tweeting out quotes a lot of the time during some of the post-game interviews and stuff, so keep a lookout for me on Twitter there. I'm pretty active. All right, Sam. Thanks. We'll catch up with you next week. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. 
Thank you for listening to today's episode. We thank our presenting sponsor, Jody Jones DDS. We thank our other sponsors, Sutherland and Belk and MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're interested in sponsoring this podcast, and that's how we make this work, please email me at chrisley70 at gmail.com. We also ask that you subscribe to our website, vandysports.com. That is $99 a year. You get things there that you don't get here. And of course, please rate, review, and subscribe where you see our podcast. That helps us get noticed. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at vandysports.com. Follow me at chrislee70. And finally, subscribe to our Vandy Sports YouTube channel as well. Thank you for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast, which is part of the 440 Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. We'll catch you with another episode coming very soon.